still have to use my microphone. There we go. Thank you. Uh, before we take roll, I'd like to do the land acknowledgement. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all the peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working in their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatouche community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Thank you. We'll now call the meeting to order. And can we uh, please call a roll? Chair Solomon, present. Um, Trustee Chung, present. Uh, Trustee Wong. Here. You have quorum. Thank you. I wanted to announce that public comment for this meeting, other than comments not on the agenda, will be taken on each item as it is discussed. Uh, Ms. Shaw, is there any public comment for items not on the agenda? There is. Um, Malika Finkelstein. Thank you. You're welcome. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? I was having trouble getting unmuted. Yes, thank you. Ms. Great, thank you. Hi, um, I'm commenting on items not on the agenda. Um, in fact, I am commenting specifically on the fact that these items are not on the agenda. Um, this facilities committee agenda does not include any relief for the people who are working and learning in rooms where temperatures hover in the 40s and 50s. The problem is now not next summer when the contractors get around to it and the weather's already warm. This agenda does not include items such as more powerful space heaters, fixes to the electrical system so that space heaters can be used without shorting out the whole system, moving classes and services to alternate locations, different buildings, or moving them to remote. Um, it does not include acknowledgement or apology to the campus community or a clear timeline for remediation. I see nothing here about what we will do to retain students or how after students leave because of the Arctic conditions, how we're going to resist the austerity-minded class cuts that cause further harm to students and workers and programs. And this agenda most certainly does not include accountability for those who failed to get the work done last semester and last year. So items not on the agenda. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Shaw. The first item on the agenda uh, after that, the second item really, is the um, approval of the minutes of the, of the committee meeting of February 9th, 2023. Do I hear a motion to approve? I move that we approve the minutes from February 9th, 2023. Second. Thank you. Is there any discussion from trustees? Is there any public comment, Michelle? Thank you. We will then move to a vote on approval. Chair Solomon? Yes. Trustee Chung? Aye. Trustee Wong? Yes. The motion passes. Thank you. We are now on section four, reports and discussion. And uh, I will now turn this over to Associate Vice Chancellor Alberto Vasquez. 
Thank you. Sorry, let me used to this sitting up here. Um, be able to share screen. Thank you. Um, Let me just go back here. Um, so this is uh, our district website. Um, when you get to it, the front page, it's got a direct link to the new construction site. And in this site, it shows our current site plan and uh, current buildings under construction and future buildings that are they identified as the first big three projects, which is the uh, Student Success Center, STEAM building and uh, future Diego Rivera Theater PAEC building. Um, in this section as well, um, we have a version of a construction timeline. This is kind of a logistics plan. We had a map for the fall 2022, and we currently have a map, a map up for spring 2023. And this is just a, a link showing the, sorry, let me see if I can get this screen down, sorry. Um, this just shows kind of the construction activities that are going on this semester and some of the access and challenge, you know, access points for the contract and also for uh, staff and students to be aware of. So this is kind of a document uh, web page that's been updated um, every couple of weeks with information, but uh, we've been showing this at all the facilities subcommittee meetings, not this meeting, but for the PGC subcommittee meeting facilities. Um, and so this kind of shows the current location of where the STEAM construction zone is, um, so, uh, future Bursar's office, some of the activities going on in Smith, Rosenberg, and the 600 and 700 bungalows. Um, the other links here are some key information on the STEAM Center. Um, this site also just shows basic information on the, on the project. The other thing that we're going to add to this, while it has the status and floor plans. Um, and these are floor plans that we've shared in the past. Um, and I'll just click along here just to show the information, just kind of the footprint and the different uh, uh, floor plans of the building. And then also a elevation. What's missing from this, um, as some of you may have noticed who, who drove by the facility, is that it is under construction. It's been under construction since December mid-December, and let me show you those pictures because they're now, you know, it's coming out of the ground. Obviously, it's a picture taken earlier today, the soil, the dirt around it is neck, but those those uh, steel columns and, and material is being stood up on concrete footings and foundations. Um, that's one image. And, oh, I'm sorry. Apologize, let me go back one. Thank you, Chancellor. Let me stop share and then reshare again. That's just the way. Okay, there it is. Stop share. So if you're so this is an image. Uh, we the contractor has worked with us to post two cameras, one on the science building. Um, and that's kind of showing, and this is as of maybe two hours ago, um, obviously with the wet weather, it's showing the wetness, but the steel columns and supports are 
uh, resting on concrete foundation systems there. Let me see if the other one shows up from the other angle. Oh, it's not doing it, but let me just show the other image. It's it's just uh, there we go. So we're the the goal is to keep updating the website with these kind of images. Um, we're not going to place thousands of them in there, but just to show every several weeks some of the updates to the site. I mean, right now it's real exciting to see it come out of the ground, and eventually. In a, in a few months, there'll be a topping out party where I think the contractor's trying to schedule a sign a beam that would be on the top of the building. And we'll try to schedule some location to allow people to come and sign their, their name on it. And then it'll get hoisted up as the final topping piece, traditional construction activity. Um, stop share and go back to the website. Okay, so then with this one, let me close this one up. Um, and I think the last time I shared the information about Diego Rivera, which was an update to the scheduled uh, SD set. Um, the one thing that was added to this uh, site over the last couple of weeks was this other projects, um, construction project update. And I'm gonna zoom into this a little bit. And this is just showing the list of projects um, that the both facilities and buildings and grounds has been working on. And it's kind of a waterfall where the first grouping um, shows projects that are, you know, trying to scope and identify the work and or their projects in design. Uh, and then the next step is the project is bidding or we're ordering the procurement process for material. Some of the, the work uh, can be procured equipment and our team can install, the engineers or the different uh, trades can install. Um, and then projects that are in construction. And so there's a waterfall. This we're gonna update monthly. We have our facilities, uh, our PGC facility subcommittee meeting uh, once a month, and we're gonna try to update it prior to that meeting to walk them through the process. So it's a waterfall model. And then when projects are completed, they'll fall into the completed projects. And this is our current list of completed projects that date back to, uh, August of 2022, this last uh, school calendar year. Um, with that, I know this is uh, one of the items and then the other, uh, the prioritization related to school dude. Um, some of these items on this list are responses to school dude um, model. Um, the Anthony Tabe, who's, who's not on the call, um, he's the director of buildings and grounds. He, he he gets to he gets the information and, and assigns it to his staff um, to do the work. Um, but it's usually focusing on the fire life safety, kind of the emergency response things. Um, fortunately, a lot of things, you know, with the rain and water, you know, kind of fall into an extreme emergency, and we try to deal with it um, as best we can. But we do have a focus of fire life safety items as a as a priority for for scheduling. Um, one of the things he's incorporating. Uh, for both the centers and deans who are uh, on the ocean campus is to have uh, regular meetings to see what's going on in their buildings or their what they're hearing as priorities and try to adjust those. So it's not a, you know, he's working with the individuals and communicating with those that need it. And there are some extreme needs, but we're trying to 
get to them. And that's part of the list that's on the screen that it's a, it's a work in progress for us. Um, and later on, I'll be touching base or updating under the project's bidding on items one, two, three, and four. So with that, if there are any questions for the report on facility project updates. Hello, Associate Vice Chancellor. Um, I've got some um, uh, questions. So, firstly, um, how do you how did you navigate to the the page that you went to? I missed that when you were um, just opening up the first mm. CSF web page. It's just under the COVID page, um, the new construction. Oh, hold on. Um, let me. So, COVID page. Oh, when you open the CSF, yes. Website, the two red bars show up. Okay. It's the new construction. New construction. Okay. Got the, the link. Um, and then second, for the waterfall list that you have, um, when do items can fall off the the list? Okay. Um they won't fall off the list until we it's an annual. We've posted it once, <laughs> so it's a work in progress, but um, it's when it's in completed projects, mm. that's the bottom of the waterfall. That's when the completed project is there. Uh, we're using it as a tool and resource to show that work gets done, and these are the completed projects. So after in July, start a whole brand new list and keep it going. So it's just kind of, if we just keep everything in the first uh, portion of the waterfall, it never shows a completion, and we just want to acknowledge that there is a completion process to it. Correct. So when so so each July or so you from the completed projects, you would clean. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand so that way uh, I, I know like which when the projects, the time frame for the projects. And yeah. So, so one of the things mm -hmm. as part of your your feedback is we'll probably add a completed projects and put a date range okay. of you know 22, 23, and then. Others will follow. Um, some of these may may not fall into the completed list until July or August, but they'll be they'll move down the the waterfall. Thank you. This this list is waterfall list is very helpful to just give a big picture overview on everything okay. that's going on. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions? Any public comment on this? Oh, I'm sorry. Trustee Chung, you raised your hand. Thank you, thank you, Chair Solomon. I just wanted to quickly ask. Um, it, so, when it says mechanical replacement, is, does that mean that you're replacing the entire HVAC system instead of just heating alone? Or so the this is item uh, five. Sorry, it's they're under five B, C, D, and E today. Um, the one of the first fours. Um, it's boiler replacement, but just keeping a heating uh, element. So we'll clarify. It was, it was trying to get the information up and posted to share out. It's the boiler replacement is correct. So those should be John Adams Center boiler re system replacement boiler system. But for us, it's a mechanical system model. Got it. So it's just a general name at the moment for yes. for how it's listed. Okay. Um, and um, I, I guess this is not directly on this list, but I just from from being a student here at City College for for a couple of years, 
Um, how is flooding handled in um, parking lots S and D, the ones right under the, it's right below the, the football field? So actually, yeah. that's not one of the flooded areas right now. <laughs> and there's, as well as Bateman, I think, also gets yeah. flooded. So, we, you know, one of the things um, we've done over the last few weeks, especially since the January one, is we've been making sure that the drains are clear of any debris. Part of this morning's walk for me was checking that and sending out pictures to the team to clear out some of the debris that I couldn't just kick away myself, um, but some of the larger area where it compiled. So that was done to hopefully sustain the rains that are expected over the next few days. So we're, we're trying to address it by staying on top of it. So, so there is, is there some regularity in which they are checked to make sure? Um, probably not in the past. And that's why we're trying to implement a model of the rain has come in. We need to be worried about it. And let's take a look at where the trouble spots have been in the past. I actually do have a, a question in terms of the uh, list of places, and some of this will continue into an action item as well. But in terms of locations where uh, the heating is being addressed, as it is unbearably cold, what about the bungalows that are outside of Smith Hall where EOPS is located? Well, they are also without adequate heat. And I can't tell if any of these projects would cover bungalows. So, so some of the, that EOPS specifically is not, we've been able to get heaters as they've been in that space. It hasn't created some of the electrical issues as other spaces have. Um, we're also in the process of completing the relocation effort or the in Rosenberg, and hopefully within the next two months, move them into Rosenberg where um, facilitate any issues there that EOPS building will be part of the Conlin demolition. Right. And there's, is there any possibility of getting them moved before another two months pass? Um, we, we have an engineer checking the mechanic, the, the rooftop systems. And the last information regarding that, that the equipment lead time was several months away. Um, this was early in February. Um, but they've been, he's been able to troubleshoot some of the items with just changing a card or a small motor. That one is, a, is potentially beyond repair. He's still trying to get the, if he can give it some last legs prior for, for to kind of last for the next two months. He's still investigating that. But the full replacement of it was months away. Okay, thank you. I forgot one quick question also. And um, uh, VC Vasquez, I, I also heard, oh, sorry, AVC Vasquez, sorry to promote you as the chancellor. Um, I just wanted to make sure I heard correctly. Um, you're also meeting with, I heard, ocean campus deans or all campus deans on a weekly basis to to catch extreme needs within buildings. So so Anthony Tave, the director of buildings and grounds, of, of, is, is meeting with the center deans and also the any ocean campus deans to get a list of the activities in their buildings or items related to that. So yes, but it's not weekly, but it is kind of a schedule on to keep the process going. Uh, is there any public comment? 
Yes, and actually, um, the email came in just like a moment late, like a minute late. Um, but it's Harry Bernstein. He also wanted to comment on items not on the agenda, the minutes, and this item. All right, that's fine. Thank you. Let's see, can you hear me? <clears throat> yes, go ahead. Thank you. Um, I, I know I expect that there will be a lot of comments or at least there's a lot of interest in um, people registering comments about the, um, the articles have been reporting the Arctic temperatures around. I, I heard part of what uh, uh, Malika said and I associate myself with them. Um, in the music department, uh, we remember seeing their own breath, and it was uh, really a rough time. But I'm not sure, you know, you you can't ride herd on people, and maybe things are just uh, too tough. But we've got to do something. We're already losing enrollment without weather conditions. Um, so I want to mention... <clears throat> One one thing about the minutes was uh, I saw that there was a request from the for a bylaws change for the CBOC, you know, the Bond Oversight Committee, and uh, their composition is uh, required by the uh, statute or by the by the law to have seven members. Um, they have to do something to make sure that the people who are appointed are willing to to come and make and remind them. But I don't know what would be. Also, there was no text of what that measure is, and there was no mention of whether you, uh, this was approved by the board or not. So maybe you could summarize what what happened um, in the, what Alberto's report. Um, it said among the completed projects was restroom upgrades. And as he was pointing it is still leaking into the um, Manolo Santana's uh, office, which is as valuable. So it should not be considered complete until that work is done. Thank you. There's no further public comment on this item. Thank you. We will now move to the next item, which is the Ocean Campus Parking Solutions Next Steps. Again, AVC Vasquez. More of a dual item here. Um, one of the things we've been working with the um, contractor and, and the Balboa Reservoir team is to make sure we have the uh, parking available for students at the same rate that the students are paying. And we have come to an agreement for that and the contractor is working directly with them to start the first phase and with the contractor being involved for students' success when they have the need that it'll also be partnering up with them and keep the rate uh, to the same uh, $5 per parking per day for our students. Um, but um, one of the things that this will kind of transition into is 
um, at some point Balboa Reservoir developer uh, while it's building affordable housing and community space, um, that parking is not going to be available in the foreseeable future. And they're also going to be uh, building Lee Avenue, um, a, a street from the North Axis Road uh, adjacent to Reardon all the way down to Ocean. And it's got a little bit of an S-curve down by the Whole Foods. Um, so one of the questions or scenarios is, um, trying to research and analyze what opportunities um, we have for additional parking, parking facilities or structures here on the Ocean Campus uh, to be able to meet our current, our, our future demand and needs as it's when it goes away and then with future uh, DRT PAEC that we're ready for that, uh, those changes when they occur. Because as as noted earlier and, and in the <clears throat> information here, we'll uh, be losing approximately 800 individual parking spaces, correct? By uh, by the summer of 2024, if if we do nothing. Correct. There, there is a, a loss of, of parking. The lower reservoir is is a lot we don't own anymore, but the the footprint of both the future steam or the current steam construction and future DRTPAEC will also be a big reduction in our parking. So what, yes, Chancellor Martin. Uh, thank you, Chair Solomon. And if I may take that, uh, you know, thought to maybe the next step in respects to uh, our discussions and, and really exploring parking alternatives or solutions. If we're looking at the map uh, that is in front of us of our campus, uh, different iterations of past facility master planning uh, did have a multi-level parking structure uh, at different points here on our ocean campus to replace uh, the lower reservoir and the upper reservoir uh, if and when the time came we uh, were to lose those spots. And in looking at the map, if you can find the future DRT and the STEAM building, uh, right above the STEAM, there's a uh, relatively uh, square patch of uh, dark yellow, the upper reservoir lot. Uh, that was uh, an identified possible location for a multi-story parking structure. So that was option number one. And then if we move to the right of the map and go towards the soccer field and tennis courts, uh, you'll see uh, N-lot employee parking as well as S-lot uh, below it. Uh, those would also be potential locations for a multi-story parking structure uh, here on our ocean campus. And in looking at our current footprint uh, without uh, moving or relocating or demolishing any existing facilities, uh, those three options are, are really our only options to consider uh, if we do move forward with a multi-story parking structure. And I think the next step from our end uh, is to really engage a transportation uh, professional to help us examine those three locations, uh, look at grading, uh, look at uh, height of potential parking structures, and start putting together uh, some estimates and some ideas that we can bring back to the facility subcommittee and then ultimately the board uh, to make some definitive decisions on how we potentially want to move forward. But that exploratory phase uh, is where we are approaching. And those are the three locations that we need some help on in respects to uh, some estimates and some guidance or framework as to what a parking structure may look like. Thank you.
it seems to me that we would do that in conjunction with looking at the current uh, facilities master plan to see what's currently being planned and how this these three possibilities would fit into what we have in place. Are there questions? Yes. Oh, I apologize, Chair Solomon. I didn't mean to interrupt, but that is correct. So, uh, the one thing that uh, we we wouldn't want to do is to uh, re-engage or restart the facilities master planning process. It's really now just looking at our existing plans and thinking about how we could potentially move forward with adding a new parking structure rather than starting over. Yes. Comments from committee members? Questions? Yes. Thank you, Chair Solomon. The yeah, for the parking or the transit issue that's seen by many of our students and our staff as a a benefit of coming to to community college and, and so when I, I want to make sure that we're looking at things holistically both both parking and also looking at how we can encourage other uh, uh, types of transit as as well I, I think this uh, is something that we can handle in a multi I, I don't think it's necessarily one or the other. I, I think it's a, a multi-approach uh, perspective that we can take on on this. So I'm I'm open to ooh, this this idea, and I think it's worth uh, examining, especially with the, the the drastic change that we're we're going to have in in terms of, of parking. I I want to, I, I missed the third location that you mentioned. You mentioned uh, Chancellor. You mentioned N lot, and then the upper reservoir lot. Which one was the the third one? The S lot. Yes. S lot student parking. Okay. So, yes, I am supportive of having this exploratory phase so that we can get a better understanding. Also, we'll want to do in a way does that doesn't disrupt our, our current plans regarding current facilities. Thank you. Anything else from committee members? Pause for a moment. Trustee Chung. Um, and, and I just wanted to, I noticed that it, it appeared in other agenda items and I just wanna make sure um, it, it also is happening with the parking solutions. Is that it's also, is there a date that it will be coming to the PGC facilities committee? So, so we've we've already referenced the the need for it. It was just taking these next steps at this meeting, but we did, I think it's twice in the last two meetings made a reference that, you know, we we're, there is changes coming and we need to make sure we're you know ready for that and make uh, take our next steps with it. Thank you. Do we have any public comment for this item, Ms. Shaw? No, we do not. Thank you. All right. There's. Uh, I don't see any further action, but to keep keep this conversation going, and I, uh, well, I'll mention that later. So the next uh, item is downtown campus bike locking stations. This item came to us initially as uh, from a faculty member who works at the downtown campus and expressing an interest in having places for people to lock their bikes up. Thank you. Um, let me share screen. Uh, so the beauty of Google, I'll be able to zoom into the map. Um, here is the 4th Street building, um, the corner of 4th and Mission. And I'm just going to... 
I, maybe there's just a clarification, Adam, here. Um, there already um, are existing bike racks there. Sorry. You can see the locking mechanism. The, the bike racks are there. But I don't know if they're wanting the enclosed box ones. Um, but if that's the case, we, we might have some challenges just because of the size and nature. There's a, there's a couple right outside the MUB on the north end. There is a large, a big footprint uh, because of enclosing and be able to put your stuff in there can be a challenge. So I don't know, um, there are bike racks there, but I don't know if it's a request for additional or a covered uh, bike rack model. I think we may have to follow up and find out uh, okay. about that. But but for that, there is a, a good example out in front on the north side over by the Mai's, uh, the little food court or the little food area on the corner of the building here of an enclosed model. And while it's enclosed, it still have perforated metal where water can still rain on it. But it's a big footprint that kind of the, well, the, the example it's under our canopy covered area, we still would have to work with the city about access just because it kind of gets a blocked area on the sidewalk. Right. And is the closed one, I have to go look at it. Um, is it more secure for bikes? Is that, that's the purpose of that? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I imagine so. I don't, I don't bike. <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, then I think we could follow up the faculty there and students and find out if they were looking for more or different. Okay. Uh, All right. Any public comment on this item? No, there is not. Thank you. Any further comment? Oh, like. Thank you, Chair Salman. This is somewhat related to our uh, previous topic. For some of our campuses where driving a car is impractical, having good public transit and uh, bicycle opportunities to, to use your, your bicycle is a really important um, way to get to campus and just having these uh, these locations where people can safely lock their bikes is is really important. I've seen other places where at City Hall they've got a indoor room where they they do have a bicycle rack for visitors or employees to to park their their bicycles and it helps with the the sense of security because some uh, as we all know bicycles do commonly get stolen in in San Francisco. I, I also want to mention that with the a lot of the efforts around climate mitigation and, and clean air, there's a, a lot of grants available from other public agencies to help support different uh, projects that would in, encourage further use of bicycling. It, it, so in, including for for bicycle racks, I, I think that could be an opportunity to to pursue for us to get funding from some of these other agencies that that want to promote bicycle use. Thank you. Thank you. Anything further? All right, so we'll return if, as we get more details to that item, and perhaps next month. Our next item, exciting, uh, the naming of facilities, um, in, in particular, the renaming of a city college facility after the incredible Harry Britt. So I believe, 
is Vice Chancellor Associate uh, Vice Chancellor Kristen Charles on? I think I may be stepping in for ABC Charles this oh. afternoon. And uh, if I may uh, ask that, uh, Grace, you click on the link for the administrative procedure, naming and memorials. Uh, so real quickly, uh, a bit of context. Uh, a few years ago, uh, the Governing Board of Trustees uh, unanimously approved a resolution uh, to identify a city college uh, facility uh, and name it after uh, late Supervisor Harry Britt. Uh, so once that resolution was passed, or when that resolution was passed, City College did not necessarily have a defined or documented process of naming uh, City College facilities. So the direction given by the board at that time was to first uh, and foremost develop a process uh, and then ultimately take this resolution through that process. And over the last two years, uh, the college uh, participatory governance councils have been developing uh, board policy 7.16, as well as the administrative procedure uh, 7.16. So we now have uh, board policy and framework uh, to start the discussion about naming facilities here at City College. And if I may ask Grace to scroll down to... Uh, page three of the administrative procedure. Uh, under the naming criteria, so in looking at uh, A and B uh, below, uh, these are the types of uh, naming uh, criteria that were developed as part of the administrative procedure, uh, as well as the three criteria below for commemorative uh, naming as well. So ultimately, uh, the naming of a college facility after uh, late supervisor Harry Britt uh, would be uh, potentially uh, number or excuse me letter E uh, for individuals who don't may not have a direct connection to the college but obviously has been uh, an outstanding historic figure here in, in San Francisco. Uh, so utilizing that category, uh, we would then drop down to the next uh, item for submission of proposals. And we would look at, uh, I believe, uh, number two. So the first step uh, in the resolution or in the process would be to create a letter, uh, which, which would indicate, and I think the resolution would uh, suffice as the letter, uh, but really identifying and outlining the background of the individual, uh, their contributions to San Francisco or City College, uh, and putting together as a package. So if we could scroll down now to the top of page four, Grace. Uh, those are some of the items that would be included in a package submission. Uh, as I mentioned, a resume or a CV, uh, letters of reference, uh, proposed language or proposed funding. Uh, that complete package would uh, be required to be submitted to the chancellor uh, for processing. Uh, so I think at this point, uh, that is uh, maybe a starting point as to where we're at with uh, the Harry Britt naming. Uh, the one item that I think would potentially need additional clarification is that I do believe the resolution did not specifically identify a facility. Uh, I have heard uh, in different conversations that the multi-use building uh, at one point was considered, but I think the next step uh, in respects to this process would be to uh, engage the current board of trustees uh, to bring back the resolution that was passed a few years ago 
uh, and see if there was a identified location that the current trustees would want to move forward with and start this full process. Uh, so once we have a facility identified, uh, we can, can go down uh, one more page, Grace, or just a little bit longer for the right there, the review and approval uh, process. So if you go up a little bit, Grace, I apologize. It's the one through seven above. Excellent. And that is our defined administrative process. So uh, upon identifying uh, a potential facility to name, uh, we would then engage our participatory governance process. So really skipping down to item number three. Uh, our first stop in our participatory governance process would be our college facilities committee. So that is the subcommittee of PGC. Uh, the facilities committee would consult uh, faculty and staff. Uh, we would also uh, consult with our constituent groups as well. Uh, then all of that feedback uh, would go to uh, number six, uh, recommendation to the Participatory Governance Council, uh, which would then in turn make a recommendation to the chancellor, which then a recommendation would come forth to the Board of Trustees to officially uh, name a facility uh, after Harry Brand. Uh, so that, uh, I think at a high level, is the process uh, that's defined. And real quickly, just to surmise where we're at today, I think the next steps for the resolution would be to identify a location uh, to bring that discussion to the full board uh, and get a recommendation from the full board. And then once the location is identified, uh, we would then engage our PGC facilities committee as the first stop. So I will pause there to see if there are any questions. Thank you. I was... Uh curious, I, I believe you answered it, but I was curious as to whether the the resolution that was passed a few years ago would meet uh, any of the criteria. I do think in respects to the uh, items that are identified or required as part of the packet, I think it touches on uh, some of it. Yes. Uh, but in looking at the resolution uh, side by side with the uh, identified criteria, I think some additional work uh, may be done or, or may be needed. And that's work that we can do in conjunction with identifying the specific facility in working with the entire board. Facility has been, we, we need to prioritize that. Um, yes, Trustee Chung. I think it's, it's interesting because I think the timeline in which we passed the resolution and when this board policy was created, the resolution came first and then the board policy. So in some ways, part of it was kind of grandfathered in, in a way. Um, but I, I, I understand, um, I really appreciate the work that's been done to develop this, the, the board policy as well as administrative procedures to it. Um, and just the degree of detail that comes with it um, and actually distinctions between memorials versus um, um, actually, yeah, after naming it historical figures or, um, and so um, I, I guess where, where I'm, if the, it sounds like perhaps because of the, the timeline of events is that we have already agreed that we're going to name a building after Harry Britt. But now what it is is we need to identify a location and the funding, right, to to maintain to to produce the signage as well as maintain it. Is is that correct? Um, that is correct, yes. Okay. Thank you, Chair Solomon. 
I would like to understand or from get the original intent from the, the family and friends of uh, Harry Britt and also the the original proponents of the the resolution to get an understanding of where they may have wanted the what sort of building they would have wanted to 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 name. So well, I, I don't know if they actually had any intent or or if it was an open question, but I think those those would be the folks that I would want to directly ask so so that we can get a get better picture. If if not, then I, I think we as board can can have that more open discussion as as well. Um, th thank you for that, um, President Wong. I, I agree. I think it, um, I remember the discussion for it, and um, I, I think part of it was really wanting to actually not only, like in the in the same intent that this the the BP and AP were written, right? Going back to um, essentially the the family members and. Um, not only the trustees, but essentially the community members had who had come to the trustees asking for this, um, the naming of 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 some building after Harry, um, circling to them, and the hope is because we grandfathered this in, right? Hoping to ask the administration for help with this matter, um, connecting with those families, and also um, perhaps what what one of my arguments were was. Um, really wanting to also connect with our LGBTQ um, department because I because one of the things that I was I had brought up during that discussion was really wanting to also write not honor Harry's in in how he practiced himself in understanding that he he understood that he presented as a white male cisgendered man and he he had this he had a practice of um, really wanting to uplift um, a historical understanding that you know trans women of uh, tr black trans women have really been um, sort of the foundation behind this movement, and so really wanting to connect with them to understand um, how do we honor Harry and also um, you know provide um, that that you know through Harry that lens that that really uplifts like the the black trans women activists, right, who are, are responsible for the progress that Harry was able to make. Um, so, right, so those two aspects I'm hoping the administration can help with. Certainly, Trustee Chung, and I think part of developing uh, that initial package uh, or application of materials, I think there is uh, additional work that staff would be happy to do and follow up on on behalf of the trustees. Do we have any public comment on this, Ms. Shaw? No, we do not. Thank you. Well, exciting that we're going to get this going. Really excited to be able to share this. Still work ahead, but important work to get done. We will now move on to action items. And why don't we start uh, with the authorization to file notice of completion? Okay. Uh, thank you. Um... Grace, would we be able to scroll a little bit to show the different firms? So every month or two, we're, as projects get finished, uh, by law, we need to kind of record a notice of completion at the city's uh, office, just so we they can't kind of come after us for any, any, any funding beyond the basic scope. So it's just kind of a procedural thing. Um, and in order for uh, Dr. Alamin to sign the document, uh, we need to have board approval. So that's kind of a 
a typical document that'll show up every few months for the different projects. And these are some of the same projects that on the waterfall example are showing up at the bottom of the waterfall. All right, I, I had a couple of questions just so I can know a little bit more about what things are that are on here. Okay. There were a couple of, um, for a couple of the projects, uh, a, a company named Asbestos something did work. I Does that mean there was asbestos? Uh, yes, yeah, so, so the Asbestos Management Group of California, yes. they, they did uh, two projects in Cloud Hall, one was a planned tile abatement that we had scheduled to do during the winter break. Um, the other one, and we had tested the materials for that. So yes. And then the cloud hall plant ceiling, there was an incident where there was some ceiling damage and uh, it happened at just at the end of the semester, we had to clear out the access to the cloud hall. So we tested the material and got them scheduled to do the work. So the cloud hall plant that serves a lot of buildings was not available for several weeks while we did the work. But we do test the materials before we move in. Thank you. And and was asbestos found? Uh, yes, it was, it was disturbed and that's why we shut down the, that's the access. Down. Now I understand. Okay. And for uh so the attachment A under A, the science abatement, science hall basement abatement, just what does that mean? So, so the science hall room 43, 44, 45, and 37 had signs of, uh, of, of mold, and it was something that we tried to address uh, in the semester, um, and they finished towards the end of the semester so they can continue instruction in, the, in that class room. Um, but it was a mold abatement, and we had to remove a lot of material, classroom instruction material out of the space and uh, do the, clean, the full wipe down of, the, uh, of those classrooms. Thank you for that. Um, and thanks to this report, I know now know the definition of domestic water <laughs> in combination with looking it up on the internet. Okay. <laughs> I figured all water was domestic, so I needed to know a little bit more. Uh, any questions or comments about this from committee members? I move that we approve this authorization to file notice of completion. Second. Second. Okay. And is there any um, further discussion or questions? All right. Do we have any public comment on this, Ms. Shaw? I do have a member of the public that has comments on these action items. If we want to take the comments now. It's Why don't Mary we do that? I think that's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. It's Mary Lee Hearn. Here. Good afternoon, Chancellor and uh, trustees and Mr. Vasquez. Um, I'm here today because of my concern about the heat situation and the time that it's taken to even address the situation. Uh, when we have gotten to the point when school supplies include blankets, extra clothing, and a packet of hand warmers, we need to ask ourselves, where are we in this process of alerting ourselves about who's going to do the work and when they're going to do it? 
Um, I'm just going to give you one example of many in the creative and visual arts building. There has been no heat since before COVID. Uh, also, in that building, two rooms got giant heaters. The teacher has to come an hour and a half beforehand in order to heat the room. Um, it does, they do work. Those giant ones do work. But why are there only two classrooms that have that? That's one concern. Secondly, there are leaks in the ceiling and they have a bucket to catch the rainwater uh, <laughs> while those giant heaters are trying to heat up everything. I know that uh, from another report that Trustee Wong said that on March 23rd, there will be a full board vote on contracting a bid or bids to fix the boilers and the pipes. My concern is that uh, in residential housing, the lack of heat is a city emergency code violation. We have been proceeding as though we are not violating uh, that code. So thank you. Thank you. We will return to the uh, vote on the previous item, on the item we were in the, on the authorization to file notice of completion. And we have a roll call, please. Yes, Chair Solomon. Yes. President Wong. Aye. Trustee Chung. Aye. The motion passes. So now we will move on to all of the uh, other action and consent items. And we do need to look at them uh, one at a time. Item 5B um, is the uh, boiler replacement at John Adams. Um, it's up here. We got to the board as quickly as possible. Um, we did spend over the last couple of months a design effort to get the product out to bid. Uh, we bid it. Um, all of these next four were advertised on February 12th and the 19th following public contract code, and the bid documents were released on February 13th and we opened bids on March 7th and 8th, um, and the urgency of getting the, the next step at the March 23rd meeting and uh, the Board of Trustees approval. So then we'll go into the contract phase, they'll go into the procurement phase. Um, if you scroll up a little bit, there's just a general comment for all of them. But in this example, um, there were five bids that were received, um, uh, three, completed all the paperwork, uh, the two firms, number four and five, they were deemed non-responsive when they didn't complete, when they didn't submit a complete package. Um, and so legally checking with our legal counsel yesterday, we're, we have to identify them as non-responsive if they don't complete, they don't submit everything we expect them to submit. To submit. And Prebus is the low bidder, low responsible bidder. And so I know that there's always, and as it's noted in there, an extensive um, search for under SLBE with SLBE. Um, so I, I two part question. Uh, 
did that happen and did it result in bids, viable bids from? We, we, we did receive viable bids. They either acknowledge they are or they're not, but that's one of the, that's the paperwork they submit. Um, so the, they, they do get a little bit of a bonus to it, but I think the firms that were awarded were not necessarily SLBE firms, but we do request that they reach out, whether it's themselves or there's some contractor where they procure materials from our SLB, SLBE vendors. Uh, and how does the uh, project labor agreement fit in with these projects? Uh, the project labor agreement does not fit into this scope. The project labor agreement is related to specifically bond funds. And there's a, a list of eight to 10 projects from the initial bond project list uh, that the board approved in 2020. Thank you. Questions? Thank you, Chair Solomon. I've last year and this year I've been receiving emails, and not just last year as in last this past December, but also the the year before that. I've been receiving emails from both our students and our staff about these concerning conditions that we we have on our our campus and. I really do feel that it's a big disservice to our, our student community and, and our staff. Having these issues prevents us from retaining and attracting students so that they're going to go over to Skyline or some other college if, if we have trouble meeting these very basic needs. And it really makes me frustrated and a bit, bit angry to, to see that our our students and, and staff have to just fight to to get us to pay attention to 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 this heating issue. I for for me just this should it's really unacceptable to to see this see this happening. The the, the questions that that I have here when when some of these issues were brought up last year did how between last year when when this happened and, and this year, why was there not more decisive action in, in getting these this fixed? What are the interim measures that were uh, uh, taken besides hand warmers and and blankets to take care of of our our, our students? And ha have we considered moving people to to alternate locations so that they they could have these uh, issues uh, addressed or at least not. Uh, not be suffering through through cold. Just yeah, just hearing about these students that are, are telling me that oh, I I'm leaving this class because I, I'm concerned about the cold. I'm immunocompromised. It just makes me very frustrated as as a trustee. So I I think I just threw a whole bunch of questions there. So just to reiterate, why have not why haven't we worked on this since last year when we originally heard about when we started getting emails and trustees probably notified the administration as well. I know I did. And then what are ex some expanded interim measures that we can take to take care of our students? Um, so, you know, we, we do take a lot of this information very serious and we did approach to see if there was an interim solution. Um, and that does take time to analyze. We got some vendors out to give us, you know, review and proposal and they deemed the equipment not, you know, like not necessarily extinct, but but not able to, to, to sort of couldn't 
make it function. So then we had to take a step back, make a decision to move forward and replace it. So our initial step is always to see if we can uh, make a repair and fix it and keep it going. Uh, but some of these uh, uh, equipment has reached their end of life. Um, and then that's a decision, a funding decision that comes up. Um, and not unfortunately, not every scenario we can deem as an emergency need, especially if it's something that's been not functioning for a while. We did check legal to see if we could, you know, identify it as an emergency. And, you know, for, you know, we, we can't describe something that was not attended well or preparative maintenance wasn't done well to acknowledge it as a emergency action item. So, and then our next steps was to see how we can make the change. And that takes a design process and also takes a bidding process to get there. Have we considered some interim measures to take care of our, our students? I've, I've heard that there's heat hand warmers and, and people have been suggested to get blankets and the, the portable heaters, but that doesn't sound enough at all to, to me. So, so the, th those are some other challenges as well. And we have uh, looked into the hand warmers. We, we do have space heaters that we've provided to different locations. And the example that was referenced was creative arts, um, but it, it creates a power issue, correct? These buildings aren't set up to handle a lot of heaters plugged in in the same circuit. So that's where we've had challenges and we've been trying to mitigate and manage that piece. Um, and we're also trying to interim piping work to get the steam to the right buildings. I, I can understand if, if say, immediately after the, the pandemic, you know, we had some we have some issues with buildings, people are re returning and the the heaters may have not been working after everybody came back, but we were having some of these complaints last year, right? I, I wanna understand, and I, I personally forwarded some of the, these concerns over to, to our administration. So I wanna understand why we, we didn't take action earlier as opposed to to, to this year. Or, or if we did, what what were the actions that that we that we took to try and mitigate these these issues? So when when we are made aware of the information and our engineers are on, that are on campus do the site visit, try to understand the issues with the systems. That's when we call out the vendors to see if it could if there's any repair mm -hmm. to the equipment. And the information we have for a majority of these buildings that they've had the end of life, but you know that's not a it's not a one-week turnaround. All this happened uh, in the fall of 2022. So right now we're bidding the project, but in order to get to the bidding, we have to do an analysis of the existing equipment, determine it, its usefulness, and a lot of it was end of life. And then we start the process of, of replacing the equipment. I, I guess I want to zoom in on winter 2021. What did we do at, at that time? I, I got complaints as well, and I made sure to connect connect those complaints with our administration. I don't have that recollection in front of me, but I know some of these units were functioning. Um, and with this cold spell, a lot of them just went south, but it not all of them have been in the same condition. I'm not saying what your email, there might've been some at that time, um, but we've been trying to address them as we go. Okay. So last year, what sort of measures did we take? Did we investigate the the, the boilers, look into whether they're functioning efficiently or what 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 actions did we did we look into last year 
That, that is correct. We're trying to test them out, see how they function. Uh, some of them functioned and then they gave out again, right? There were some interim solutions and fixes and um, we're trying to keep them, you know, functioning so we can get them replaced. So to make sure I understand correctly, last year in winter 2021, after there were complaints, there was some, some, I won't use the word investigation, but some looking into of our of our facilities to to see how they were working and the the step taken was to have interim repair measures to keep the existing boilers in, in operation is that correct that, that is correct our engineers are full-time all year round when there's an issue they try to investigate to see what the issues are um sometimes they're successful and other times they are not thank you Trustee Chung, do you have any comments or questions? Thank, thank you, Chair Solomon. I, I did, you know, I think the question um, is also with, and I know I there's there's much more steps to this, um, you know, that may require input from the academic center um, and, and is complex, but I think there some of the solutions that were, right, proposed from the community included, moving the time of these sections into hours that weren't in the dead of night where it was incredibly in, where it was much colder or moving them into different classrooms I, and or or moving them to be completely remote is that are those measures um being considered they were, uh, and they have been, uh, Trustee Chung, and I think it's considered in a couple different factors. So we have the initial schedule development, and I know in working with the faculty, department chairs, and the deans, uh, some departments have scheduled uh, strategically uh, around uh, warmer times during the day. So that has happened. Has it happened across all of our instructional departments? I don't believe so. Uh, but as we move forward, and, and we do have current examples that uh, if appropriate and if there is uh, space available, uh, we have had classes switch locations uh, during the semester to put, either put them in a location with uh, warmer uh, opportunities uh, or provide them in classrooms that can handle uh, a few space heaters. Um, based on their electrical the electrical grid so that it, once again that is happening. Uh, but it's not happening across all of our, our departments. And I think as we move forward into the schedule development for the fall, uh, we do hope to have many uh, of these items uh, fixed and permanently repaired. Uh, but as we develop the fall schedule, if there are uh, concerns or if there are projects in place, I do think we can do a, a better job of being more mindful of scheduling and how we can maybe defray some of the uh, cold facilities that we're currently operating in. I do want to echo and amplify what um, President Wong and Trustee Chung have said and what we've heard from faculty, staff, and students. It really is a terrible situation, and we need to make sure at minimum that we as an institution are acknowledging that it is a terrible situation. And as, I mean, as I respond to emails, I do that. I experienced this as, as an elementary school teacher, and it was terrible. And it's terrible now. And so um, I, I realize that there, uh, 
there are some steps we have to take, such as putting things out to bid and selecting a contractor. We can't skip those steps, and I would never recommend that. But anything we can do to expedite it and acknowledge that we have a, a, a problem in our community, I think would be, won't solve the problem, but at least will uh, perhaps increase a little bit of trust or confidence among the people we serve. I have a question. Um, if we sped this up as a, we heard from public comment, if we if we sped up the approval of these um, bids earlier than than this potentially scheduled date on uh, March twenty third, could that have any a substantive impact on on these? heating issues because right now based on what i've been informed it would be projected to be completed prior to summer 2023 right if we approve it sooner what sort of impact could uh could there be if we considered these items earlier uh, so go. Cer certainly uh president wong and in, in respects to timing and, and uh, avc vasquez please jump in uh but uh getting these uh, contracts approved as fast as possible. I think there's value to that. Uh, but in respects to the timeline of full implementation and completion of these projects, uh, I'm not certain if the additional two weeks uh, would make uh, a substantial difference uh, because the projects likely to be scheduled are completed over the summertime. So if the board did want to uh, call a special meeting and get the contracts approved uh, here in the uh, immediate future, uh, that would give the contractors a little bit more time to start uh, their orders of equipment. Uh, but in respects to uh, finalized completion dates, uh, I, I do uh, believe that the uh, end of the semester uh, may be best case scenario. Uh, most likely case scenario is fully operational boilers at some point during the summer. Thank you. Sorry, one of the challenges is the vendors ordering material without a contract. So what we've been able to do is make sure that they procure or earmark the material with the with the manufacturer so that it's there when our contract does get to them they'll be able to order it and it's a put a placeholder for it that's that's our goal with them and that's what we've been reaching out to them about now that we've able to identify uh awarding to the different vendors we're going to reach out to them to make sure that they try to earmark with the manufacturer the equipment they propose to build to to install so that when the contract is signed they can you know quickly put the place to order in officially and get it delivered sooner in in terms of proactive facilities work, are are we able to claw some some money from our budget to invest into our facilities? I, I know that in the past we've had limited facilities dollars to to really work on on these things and and we're operating at the bare minimum in in many places. Uh, yes, President Wong, and I think uh, what is forthcoming uh, is uh, not only these construction contracts, uh, but in the current year budget, we did allocate about $2.6 of unrestricted general funds to fund uh, projects of this nature. So we are going to use that funding uh, to address the $2.2 of need uh, that's in front of the board right now. Uh, we still have additional work with the creative arts 
uh, the arts extension and the visual arts. So those projects will go into uh, the potential one-time money that we have available to us. Uh, so in respects to funding, uh, it's a combination of both the ongoing unrestricted funds that were earmarked in this budget, as well as uh, unfortunately having to dip into our, our one-time reserve of uh, construction funds that we received in the current uh, fiscal year. Uh, in respects to staffing, I think that is a, a very important discussion as we move forward into the upcoming fiscal years. Uh, in going around to the campus and speaking with different constituents and, and different committees, uh, one of the points that we have a great conversation about is that the step or the first step is allocating the funds in the budget. The second step is having the staffing to get the funds out of the budget and into the facilities because going through a comprehensive bid process, doing the job walks, coordinating with the uh, potential contractors, getting the bid packets coordinated and publicized, uh, that is a lot of logistical work that uh, we just don't have the staffing to do. So if we do uh, prioritize facilities, uh, prioritizing uh, project managers, that is something that uh, we've discussed in different circles. Uh, currently, we have uh, eight college, uh, eight campuses and one carpenter. Uh, so we need additional carpenters. We have one and a half painters. So we need more painters. We've got one gardener. Uh, so as we move into next year, taking a really good look at our facilities department and allocating unrestricted general funds to build up our facilities department uh, because we can allocate all the money that we have. But if we don't have the staff to get the money out of the budget and into our facilities, uh, we're going to be in a constant mode of catch up. Thank you. <clears throat> One follow-up question I have just from a historical perspective. I see that there are recommendations for each of these for the lowest responsive and responsible bidder. So if you could explain a little more uh, about what that means, because in in my own experience on other boards and with other agencies, the low bid is not always the best bid. So uh, is it a policy to always, and I'm, I'm not trying to burn money needlessly, of course, but uh, how, how is that handled? How are the comparisons made? Because I, I, I see that for each of these, it's the low bid that's being so, recommended. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it the first shot, ABC right. and then you can jump in and uh, steer me in the right direction. And really appreciate the question, Chair Solomon. And when it comes to public bidding, there's two different tracks. Uh, there's one for capital construction, and then there's one for professional services. Uh, for professional services, we are not required to take the lowest responsive bid. We can take uh, a variety of factors uh, into account and select the best vendor uh, for City College. Uh, but the law uh, does require that for construction projects uh, in excess uh, of, I believe, 200,000, 200, uh, we are re legally required to uh, select the lowest bidder. So we don't necessarily have a choice. And what we deem as responsive and non-responsive is that part of the bid package uh, is for vendors to submit a variety of different documents and schedules and uh, bonds and insurance 
Uh, and if their submissions doesn't have all of the documents that we request, we deem them non-responsive. So therefore their bid technically doesn't count. Uh, so the non-responsives that you see are contractors who did not meet all of our uh, requirements when they submitted their bid. That, that's great. Thank you. That That is helpful. Uh, I would have assumed non-responsive meant they never got back to us. So this is so, so non-responsive in these in these examples when we do accept their bid is something uh, one of the required documents or paperwork that they need to submit was not included, and legally or with our legal uh, we check to see if we have to include their number or not, and because they didn't submit the required documents, we have to deem them non-responsive, which you'll see others in other spaces as well. Thank you. Other questions? Just, just a quick question. Uh, do we also do a background check on these um, contractors? Just because I've, I've just remember historically. I remember the when it came to the installment of, I get the hand sanitizers, the decals, right? That was, uh, um, that 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 was not a pretty show as far as what happened. And then we ended up having. I remember actually speaking with. Um, uh, a legal counsel at the league trying to understand this and how across K through 14, this has been a problem is that they extend contracts um, to these, you know, to these companies, they don't complete them. We need the project completed. We extend it anyways um, so that the job gets completed and we just swallow it <laughs> because it takes, it costs too much to sue them. Um, so just sort of as a proactive way of 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 really addressing that are we doing background checks on these contractors to see the quality of their work at other colleges or other 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 employees most of the vendors that are on the list because it's mechanical or boiler related work they're already doing work with us at different scales and have been past vendors with the district in the past and are reputable but we do check the historical and that is one of the items uh, that why we reach out to them as well we also do a lot of outreach to the vendors to make sure we have enough uh, bids come in. And trustee, uh, uh, trustee Chung, part of the bid package requires that they provide references. And if they are not a vendor who we have a past history with, then references and other like institutions who have done work with them are contacted. That's part of our process. I have a comment. Yeah. I, I just wanted to circle back on the timeline so I understand the kind of sequence of how how this kind of came about. So when did we start um, submitting or giving out a notice that we wanted a, a bid on this? Did I hear February 13th? Uh, February 12th was our first posted ad and following public contract code, we have to submit for two every one ad for two weeks. So we did it February 12th and February 19th that met. And then the first, what we posted on our website was February 13th after the first advertisement. And, and then, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if I may add a bit more context, uh, president Wong is that the bid packets that we post and advertise 
uh, are several hundred pages long. So it takes uh, about two months to prepare the bid packets prior to posting them uh, out to bid. So uh, they were made public in the uh, middle part of February, but the work on the bidding documents themselves started uh, I think December. December. Okay. So it started uh, December for preparation. So that sounds about the time when we would have heard some of these, uh, uh, when we started hearing about some of these complaints. And then two months of preparation, February 12th was when we posted the ads and then we 13th and then the 19th were some of the other dates. And then on the, I think I heard March 7th and 8th is when we we accepted the, the bids. Yes, this particular one was accepted on March 8th. Um, two were accepted in March 8th and the other two were March 7th. Okay. And then obviously today we will have this recommendation to, to the full, full board. Correct. Um, and then in terms of the, the, the project timeline, what I heard, uh, I don't know if there's any other detail in between that you think may be necessary for us to know, but the, the project completion after the approval by the full board would likely be for summer, uh, 2020. Are there any any other points in time that we should be aware of? The, the next steps, which is after the board approval by the full board of trustees, will be the contract process, getting these uh, documents uh, to our contracts department and getting them processed. And then the final approved contract, the vendor can then physically procure and you know pay work against the project. And then we'll be during that time that we'll also work on a schedule and that schedule will be based on the equipment procurement. Um, hopefully, the lead times aren't severe, but you know there are been there are other items that can be challenging. Thank you. I move that we approve five B. There a second. I will second that. Any further discussion? Roll call, please. Chair John. Solomon? Yes. Trustee Chung? Aye. President Wong? Yes. The motion passes. Thank you. Is there a motion for item 5C? I move that we approve motion 5C. Second. Roll call, please. Chair Solomon? Yes. Trustee Chung? Aye. President Wong? Aye. The motion passes. Thank you. And now 5D. I move that we approve 5D. Second. Roll call, please. Chair Solomon? Yes. Trustee Chung? Aye. President Wong? Yes. The motion passes. Thank you. And lastly, item 5E. I move that we approve item 5E. Second. Roll call. Yes, thank you. Trustee Chung? Aye. President Wong? Yes. The motion passes. Thank you. We are now on to um, item six, which is future agenda items. You can see that we already have one that we talked about last month, which is uh, a project labor agreement update at the April meeting. 
I would uh, like to recommend that we uh, start for the benefit of us as a committee and because it's part of our purview to uh, a review of the uh, facilities master plan. Are there any? Oh, uh, yes. Um, I see Chung. Thank you, Chair Solomon. I, I'd also like to um, kind of build off of what uh, Dr. Martin had mentioned, uh, essentially, right, and, and the proactivity that um, uh, President Wong had, had also um, brought forth is um, a timeline for hiring all the project managers, all the classified staff that are necessary in order for us to um, prevent us from 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 having so much deferred maintenance essentially knowing how much money we need to budget out yes i'd like to request an item to a informational item on the southeast center and how we're utilizing that site and then the second thing is i i'm working on a resolution regarding transit improvements to to our facilities i it's a work in in progress so so i i think it should be ready by the next uh committee to be brought forth so just wanted to flag that thank you and just to make sure i i, I would almost say this goes without saying but i'm going to say it is that we need to uh we'll we'll need to have an update on these projects for heat for next time. Absolutely. Thank you. Anything else? Do I hear a motion to adjourn? I move that we adjourn. Second. Roll call, please. Ms. Shaw. Chair Solomon. Aye. Trustee Chung. Aye. President Wong. Yes. We are adjourned. Thank you. <laughs>